Well, friends, let me encourage you to keep your Bibles open there at Acts chapter 5. We do hope that nobody drops away this morning. But let us do indeed pray that our minds wouldn't drop away either, that we would listen, that our hearts would receive what God has to say to us. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the great testimony that's recorded here in the book of Acts of the the life of the early church. And we pray, Father, that you would use this to teach us, to encourage us, uh, to challenge us, to continue on that mission that the Lord Jesus said, to make disciples of all nations for his glory. Amen. One of my favourite movies growing up was the famous movie, The Karate Kid. I spent a good portion of my childhood in the backyard practicing that crane kick. Maybe you have as well. I'm going to stop there. And uh, I spent many a day on a Saturday afternoon washing my dad's car in the Mr. Miyagi way. Wax on, wax off. I see that I'm not the only one. And one of the great lines of the movie is from Mr. Miyagi when he asked Daniel, Daniel, are you ready to learn karate? And Daniel's response is, I guess so. And Mr. Miyagi's response is, walking down the left side of the road is okay. Walking down the right side of the road is okay. But walking down the middle of the road, you will get squished. Either you karate do yes or you karate do no. You karate do I guess so, squish like grape. It's a wonderful line. And of course, we can see that logic working out in many parts of life. The person who says, I guess I will get in shape, is hardly likely to get in shape. The person who says, I guess I'll give it a shot, is unlikely to succeed. There are some things in life that we need to take seriously if we want to see success. I wonder what are you serious about this morning? What are you serious about? Today, as we launch into this annual Recharge series, like last year, we're going to look at some of the early chapters of the book of Acts. And we're going to be encouraged to take God and our faith in Him seriously. And not just our personal faith in Him, but the call that Jesus has laid on every disciple to make disciples, we're going to take that seriously as well. We're going to be challenged to, at least. And we're going to start the series this year where we left off last year, at the end of November last year. And that is in Acts chapter 5. And just before this section in Acts chapter 5, we have a wonderful example of just how serious the early church was in loving God and loving their community. Have a look at verse 32 of Acts chapter 5, of Acts chapter 4, just before our section this morning. Listen to how serious this community is. Is. Verse 32. Now, the large group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one said that any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common, and the apostles were giving testimony with great power to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed for each person's basic needs. Joseph, a Levite and a Cypriot by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, 
sold a field he owned, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Were they serious? Of course they were. That's some serious generosity expressed right there. Uh, Not just sharing some of their surplus income, but sharing their very capital, property that they owned. They were willing to share that for the benefit of the church and their local community. And there was no church law that imposed that on the congregation whatsoever. We're told that the, the individuals wanted and they desired to live this way. Their sharing was voluntary, very sacrificial, but an outworking of the great grace that was shown to them. They were now showing great grace in their lifestyle. And it's into this serious generosity that we come to Acts chapter 5 and we meet Ananias and Sapphira. We don't know whether they were genuine followers of Christ or not, but what we do know is they wanted others to think at least that they were genuine followers of Christ. What do they do? Acts 5, 1 to 12, we see that they, they hold back. In verse 1 and 2, they sell some property and they make a donation, no doubt a significantly large donation to the early church. What Barnabas can do, we can do too, might be what they are saying. But unlike Barnabas, they kept some of the money back. What's the problem with that? Well, there is no problem with that. That is perfectly fine for them to do if they were honest about doing that. The problem is they weren't honest about doing that. Ananias and Sapphira lied when the apostle said, is this the full proceeds of your property sale? And they said, yes, this is everything and we're giving it to you. How generous are we? And Peter knows that they are lying. We're not exactly sure how Peter knows that they're lying, but we do know that the Holy Spirit is very active at this stage in the development of the early church, and no doubt the Holy Spirit has revealed to Peter's heart and his mind the truth of this situation. And so Peter rebukes Ananias and Sapphira for their faux generosity. In verse 4, Peter says to Ananias, You are quite free to keep the lot. You are under no obligation to give any of your money to the church. You could have kept some, you could have given some, but what you did, Ananias, was lie. And you aren't just lying to me, a mere man in the church, but you are lying to the church community that has been created by the very Spirit of God that breathed life into the beginning of this universe. You aren't just lying to me, you are lying to God, says the Apostle. In other words, they weren't taking the spiritual work of of God amongst the church community seriously. They thought that they could buy a reputation of being spiritual. They thought they could buy a reputation of being generous, just like Barnabas. But their actions sprang not from the Holy Spirit, but from the pride of their heart inspired by the father of lies, the evil one himself. And that's why I think God's judgment is swift. First Ananias, and not long after, Sapphira, just dropped dead, squished like grapes. They just 
dropped dead. It must have been so confusing and yet so confronting to those who were there. If anyone else was thinking of following in the footsteps of Ananias and Sapphira, they would soon change their mind, knowing how serious God takes his church. And I believe that's the reason why God responded with such swift and devastating judgment. You might find it uncomfortable. You might even find it unfair because it's not like God just drops people dead today. I'm sure he can and that ought to give us a sense of fear of him. But I know there have been plenty of times where I have held back and I'm sure you have as well and only by the grace of God are you still here. As much as we find it uncomfortable, remember this is the beginning of the early church. This is the very beginning of the mission to bring the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And if the fakery of Ananias and Sapphira spread at this early stage, the very church and mission could crumble away. Ananias and Sapphira, I want to suggest, are the first termites of the church of Christ. You know what termites are, those little white ants that just eat away at the building, the foundation, the walls, and you don't even know that they're there. That's the problem, isn't it? And just because you don't know that they're there doesn't mean that they can't be destructive. And eventually, it can be very costly. Uh, My brother has just bought a house, I won't say where, in Sydney somewhere. Uh, I thought he got a great deal for it, and he did. And he's just started to renovate it and he noticed that there were termites everywhere. And it wasn't shown in any of the building inspection reports. And it's now very costly. God saw the action of Ananias and Sapphira was the start of termite activity in the early church. And if he didn't rid them now, the cost could be immense. You lie you grandstand, you embellish yourself, then soon enough everybody else is going to follow in those footsteps and the church will just become like every other human institution throughout history, just all about pride and self-embellishment. But before we point fingers at Ananias and Sapphira, we do need to be careful, don't we? Because there's an Ananias and Sapphira in all of us. I've held back. I'm sure you have as well. It can be easy to take more credit than we deserve. It can be easy to make sure that people know how important we are to the church. It can be easy to look generous without actually being generous. Make a pledge on a recharge card but not follow through. It can be easy to want a foot in the church and a foot in the world. And how thankful ought we to be that God has not struck any of us down as a result. It is serious. God wants us to take him seriously and his precious church seriously. And then what happens in the rest of Acts chapter 5 is a great contrast with Ananias and Sapphira. As Ananias and Sapphira held back, we move in and we see what the apostles are doing and they're not holding back. Rather, they are powering on. We'll come back to verse 12 to 16 in a moment, but in verse 17 to 42, I'm not going to read it all, but just scan your eyes over there and see how the apostles are just powering on, being serious for God and his mission. 
We know that they are preaching the good news of Jesus fearlessly and they get arrested, just like they had already been arrested in chapter 4. But we see that an angel of the Lord releases them miraculously from prison and the angel says, keep preaching, go back to the temple, keep preaching and don't water down your message at all. Tell people, verse 20, tell people all about this life. Not just the bits that they will like to hear that all that's politically correct. Tell them everything about this life. And so the apostles obey. They return to the temple and they preach again and they get arrested again. And they're brought before the Sanhedrin, which is like a Jewish council or a Jewish court. And they're ordered to explain why they are continuing to preach after they were ordered by the government not to do that. And they respond in verse 29 with those seriously brave words. Can you see it, verse 29? Why are we preaching? We must obey God rather than men. And they even then rebuke the Sanhedrin for killing the Son of God which is a very brave thing to do, to accuse the people who are putting you on trial, which doesn't go well for them because the Sanhedrin, we're told in verse 33, are enraged and they want to kill the apostles. But God rescues them again. God opens the mouth of a, one particular Pharisee named Gamaliel and whether this Pharisee truly believed that the church was the work of God or or whether he simply was trying to save political face, he said it's not good to rashly kill these apostles. Maybe they could potentially face a political rebellion of the people because we know in verse 26 that the government were already getting scared of the people. But if it indeed this was a work of God, Gamaliel prophesies and says, if this is a work of God, we will only find ourselves fighting against God and we're never going to win at that so the apostles are let go well there was the customary flogging first because that had to happen but they were indeed let go and then in verse 42 what do they do they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus no matter what no matter what the government says no matter what harm will come their way they will keep teaching, powering on, proclaiming the gospel. Unlike Ananias and Sapphira who held back, they power on. They were serious. Could you do that? Could you be that serious for God and his gospel mission call? Are you serious? What was the result of this serious activity that was happening uh, in the church of God? We'll come back again and look at verse 12 to 16. We see that this serious nature of the church had a polarizing response, as you might imagine. Verse 12. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. By common consent, they would all meet in Solomon's colonnade. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people praised them highly. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, crowds of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a large group came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, 
bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. It was clear to everybody in Jerusalem that the early church was a serious church. This wasn't like previous political movements that fizzled out like Thutis and Judas uh, at the end of chapter 5. This wasn't just like belonging to the RSL club or the golf club. This church was different. It was serious. People were dropping dead for telling lies. Angels were releasing apostles from prison. Miraculous healings just from shadows were happening all over the place. And so there were two reactions to this serious church. Verse 13, none of them dared join them. It's too serious. I can't join that place. It's too serious. But then verse 14, believers were added to their number in increasing numbers. Some saw how serious it was, how different it was to anything else and said, I want to be a part of that. They're serious. The early church was a serious church and yes, it put some people off, but for those who were thirsting for something more, it was so attractive. What reputation do we want to have as a church? Do we want to be known as a serious church? Imagine you go down to Minchinbury Oval, just over the highway, Minchinbury Oval. You see two teams, soccer teams, netball teams, it doesn't really matter. You see two teams training. One team is there, no uniform, no soccer boots, an esky full of beer. They're drinking, they're telling jokes, they're kicking a ball around, they're having fun, but they're not taking it too seriously. Then you see the other team, and they're in their uniform, they're running drills around cones, they're you know, encouraging each other, pass the ball, let's do this, let's do that. There, there's no drinking, there's no any of that. They're serious. Which team do you want to join? Do you want to join the fun team? Or the serious team? It's a dangerous question because many will want to join the fun team. I don't want to take things too seriously. I'd love to be part of the fun team. And some people want to join the fun church as well. I saw this church sign recently where this church says, the funometer here is tipping from party to party. Wouldn't you want to be part of that church? That's a fun church the Partey Church. And some people do join churches simply because they are fun. They have rock and music. They make them feel good about themselves. They don't take things too seriously. Don't take too many demands on your life. They're fun. But some people see the fun church and run away from it because for them it's no different to the RSL club or the golf club where you just gather together to meet with friends who tell you what you want to hear anyway but doesn't make a real impact. What was the reputation of the early church, the fun church or the serious church? They were serious. So serious that some said, I can't join them. But so serious that some said, I need to be a part of that. They can change my life. When you have that conversation with a friend who is considering God and his place in their life, and they ask you, do you go to church? Are you religious in any way? And you say, yeah, I go to Minchinbury Anglican Church. What's their response? 
is their response, oh wow, I've heard of that church. You can help me. I know that church is serious about God. They can answer my question. Is that the response? I've heard about that church. They're so generous. They're so keen to look after members of their own community as well as people in Western Sydney. They can't help but talk about Jesus all the time. They're as serious. You can help me. I need to get my life together. I've been to the RSL club. I've been to the golf club. I need something more. I love it when the Sanhedrin says to the apostles in verse 28, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Oh, that that would be said of us. Maybe you're here for the first time, just checking out church. Let me encourage you. Take God seriously, because he takes you very seriously. He made you. He loves you. He even sent his own dear son into the world to live the perfect life that you couldn't, to die for you on the cross, to offer you forgiveness and a fresh start, not just now, but for eternity. God takes you seriously. Can I encourage you to take him seriously? And I'd love to talk to you more about that afterwards, if that's okay. But maybe you are a long-term member of Minchinbury Anglican Church. Let me encourage you, continue to take God seriously. Continue to take his mission seriously. It can be easy like Ananias and Sapphira to hold back. But I want to encourage you to power on, just like the apostles of old. Either you karate do yes or you karate do no. There is no karate do, I guess so. Swish like this. Take a little karate do step today. Can I encourage you to review your recharge card? and how you might pledge your involvement in God's mission next year. Spend time wandering around our ministry fair this morning, seeing what we're on about as a church, and go, oh, wow, this church is serious. Can you make a special one-off financial offering? And I'm not asking you to sell property and lay the proceeds at my feet. I don't care if you keep some of it for yourself. But can I encourage you to have a spirit of generosity so that it might be said of us, great grace is here. Like the early church, it's not easy or comfortable at being serious. But like the early church, I'm convinced that God honours us when we are. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to be serious about you as individuals and as a church. For there are so many people in our community that don't need us just to be fun, but need us to really care, to really point them in something that will change their life. Help us to have that desire on our heart and minds again today. Thanks, Mike. Uh, a wonderful message. And as I invite the musos uh, to the stage, if you'd like to um, use this time just to complete your welcome card.